How's everybody? I want to tell you that you should increase your expectations a bit today. I believe that God wants to do maybe even more than you expected when you decided to get up and come this morning. And what I want to preach on today is what happens when the Lord tells you that you can go your way. It amazes me in Scripture how many times Jesus would do a miracle in front of somebody and then He would give them permission or tell them to, to go. You know, two weeks ago, I think it was, I preached the message on the, the woman who was in sin and how Jesus touched her. And I'm just blown away by Jesus in that story. And, and He tells her that she can go. And as I was sitting there looking at that, I'm like, I don't want to go. Do you ever get that way? Whenever God has done something incredible in, in your life, I don't want to go. There are times when our services, the presence of God is so thick that when I dismiss, I don't want to go anywhere. In fact, frequently, I'm the last one out the door because I'm just wanting to, to hang around in the, in the presence of God. But you have to leave most of the time. You've got to go back to your family and to your jobs. And so I want to give you a message today. It was a message that Jesus preached to His disciples. It's found in John chapter 15, if you'll turn there. I actually believe that when someone gets saved, they need to be presented with this message very early. Like as soon as you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I think you need to hear this teaching, this message. So I'm going to speak some to the, the new believer. You know, you just started walking with the Lord. This whole thing's kind of new to you. You don't know exactly what to do. So if you were to hear the word go your own way, you'd be like, that might not be a good idea. And I want to prepare you for what it's like to, to go. And then I want to talk to some of you. Y'all been around a long time, right? You've been walking with the Lord a long time. Every now and again, you'll start looking at the fruit in your life. You ever done that? Been your own fruit inspector? Huh? You start looking at your fruit and you go, man, I just don't know. My, my life compared to old so-and-so. I'm just not sure I'm getting it all right. I'm not, I'm not sure if, if I'm doing this thing right. So I want to talk to you too. This scripture talks to, to both of those in this story. Now, I'm going to cheat. How many of you will read a book and you'll flip to the end of the story? Is there anybody like that? Anybody like to know the end of the story first? How, how many of you are like, don't tell me the end? That's too bad. I'm going to tell you the end. I'm actually going to tell you the, the end of the story. Before I tell you the story, because you need to be motivated in this process, okay? You need to have the proper motivation to do what this message is going to tell you to do. So I'm, I'm actually going to pick up in the, at the end of the story. And so it's in John chapter 15, and in verse 8, it says this, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Here's the end of the story. Despite what anybody has told you, it is God's will for your life that you be fruitful. That's, that's His heart for you. He wants you to be fruitful in your family. He wants you to be fruitful in your business. He wants your entire life to be fruitful. And so this story is presented to us, and there's a couple of pieces to the story, okay? You'll find that in the story there is a vine. This is back in, 
Israel, of course, and so it's where we're producing grapes, all right? So we don't have much of this culture, but there's a vine, and the story says the vine is Jesus. It says there's a vine dresser, and that's the Father, God the Father, and then it says there are branches. Say, I'm a branch. Come on, say that with some motivation. I'm a branch. Yeah, do you know that it is the vine dresser's responsibility to make sure that the vine bears fruit? That's his responsibility. He knows exactly what to do. Now, some of y'all don't know this, but I have a, a vine, a grapevine at my house. I inherited it from the person who lived there before me. That vine has never produced a single grape. It hasn't. In fact, if any of you know how to make it produce a grape, please see me after the service. I mean, it grows, it produces the most beautiful vines you've ever seen. It produces the most beautiful leaves you have ever seen. But this thing is a glorified hedge between me and my neighbor. That's all it is. It doesn't produce fruit. And there are some of you who are like, man, it seems like I'm doing an awful lot, but I don't see any fruit in my life. And if I was to interact with the Father, I would think that the Father's a little bit disappointed in me because I'm not doing any better than I am. Anybody ever felt like the Father was a little disappointed because you ain't doing better? You know, you, you, you ought to be doing a, a little better. Jesus is trying to help you see God the Father in a new way. As a vine dresser. As the one who knows what it will take for you to bear fruit, much fruit and fruit that remains in your life. And so you have to get that in your head and in your heart that it is God's will for my life to be fruitful. And He has the keys to help me do it. Now, that being said, we'll take you to the story. John chapter 15, verse 1. Now, there's going to be some verses in here that's going to scare you just a little bit. Can I tell you that? Right off the bat, you're going to be like, oh, oh, no. Because some of you, you always think the worst about yourself. I want to talk to you for a minute. Can I? You always think the worst of yourself. You're like, if there's anything bad, they talk about me. You know, if there's any mistake to be made, I'm going to make it. All right. And so you're going to get a little nervous when you hear this. But at the end of the day, it's going to blow you away. Listen to this. I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, let's start there for just a moment. Now, Jesus is preaching this. And let me tell you what it comes on the heels of. He's just had the Last Supper. He has just washed their feet. And he is headed to the cross. He is headed to this place where in physical form, He's going to leave them. They're not going to have Him around anymore. That, I think that relates to some of us when we have an encounter and then we have to go home and we're like, I wish I could take Pastor D with me. You know, so he could, he could preach and fire me up all week long. You know, why can't I take him home with me? It would have been like Jesus. It would be like, why do I have to go? Why can't you, you come with, with me? And what Jesus is preparing them for is that they don't ever have to be alone. 
You don't ever have to be alone. Because Jesus was going to die on that cross. He was going to take away the sins of the world and then He was going to pour out His Holy Spirit so that you don't ever have to be without Jesus. In fact, for those of you who have named the name of Jesus, do you know you can't outrun Him? You, you can't send yourself out of His presence. You can't make such a big mistake that He'll look at you and go, mm, I done had enough. There are people who believe honestly that they can do something and God will look at them and go, mm, you know what, I done had enough. And the reason is because they've mixed an old covenant with a new covenant. In the old covenant, we related over the rules. But in this new covenant, it's different. So let me explain. Chapter 15, verse 1. This part used to scare me. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I'd read that and I'd get scared. I don't know about you, I don't want to be taken away. I, I don't want Him to, to take me away. But now here's the thing, look at that. It says, every branch that is in me. That's a branch that's, that's received Christ as Lord and Savior. And it says He'll be taken away. Now, I didn't understand that until I read a book by Bruce Wilkinson. Any of you ever read it, The Secret of the Vine? It's a, a classic on this, this reading of John chapter 15. Bruce Wilkinson preached this message and he used the Greek word. And the Greek word is "ario." It is the word that means to take away. In John chapter 1, when, when John the Baptist looked at Jesus, he said, oh, here's the one that takes away the sins of the world. But it was also used as a word that means to lift up. Y'all still with me? Okay, but now we didn't understand that, to lift up. All we thought about is if we do something wrong, God's going to take us away. Does that mean we're going to hell? You know? Because we love to preach about some hell, don't we? I mean, the goodness of God is not good enough. We've got we to gotta always threaten people with hell to, to get them motivated to do right. I believe that the goodness of God is far greater motivation than the fire of hell. And actually what it is saying here is greater too. So an old farmer came up to Bruce Wilkerson and he says, you're probably not a farmer. You probably don't know anything about vines. He said, but let me explain that verse to you today. Can I explain that verse to you? You see, what happens is that as a branch is going out, a branch tends to grow down. It just has a tendency to do it. It'll grow down toward the ground, I guess because of the, the weight of itself, it begins to push down. But also when the wind and the rain come, it tries to push it down. Now what happens is that branch will get into the mud and into the muck. Mm. Mm. You ever got into the mud and the muck? Huh? Anybody say, oh, I can relate to that. I have grown down into the mud and the muck. Now what does the vine dresser do? Because see, it is his job to make sure you produce fruit. So he doesn't come with his... These are straight from Jesus. I got these straight out of the Bible. He doesn't come with these in order to take you away. He comes in order to lift you up. To lift you up. Here is what that farmer would do. He'd go around and he would look for any branch that's on the ground that's covered with mud because it's going to get mold on the ground. It's going to begin to rot on the ground. If you've ever been in sin long enough, you know that's what it'll do to you, right? So what does the, the vine dresser do? He goes and he finds that branch and he picks it up and he's got a bucket of water with him. 
You remember I told you Jesus had just gotten done washing feet. What does he do? He comes with this bucket and he pulls this branch up out of the muck, out of the miry clay. And he takes this water and he begins to wash that branch off and get it clean. He washes it. He says, you are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you, it is the word of God that cleans us. He begins to, to speak not words of death, but words of life. He begins to clean you. But He knows if I just leave them right there, what's going to happen? They're going to go right back to the mud, right? He says, I can't, I can't leave them that way. Even though I've cleaned them, I can't leave them because they'll have a tendency to grow down. When you're new in Christ, you, you'll tend to grow down some. And so what He says is, I can't let them get into the mud and the muck anymore. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to tie them to the trellis. I'm going to tie them up. That way the sun can get to them and the air can get to them and they can begin to grow. What does that mean? I believe He ties us to other branches that are growing in the right direction. There are times when you get saved and you think you can hang out with the old crowd. And you can do all the same stuff that you used to do. The only problem is, that's what got you in the mud and the muck to begin with. And you're going to have a tendency to want to grow in that direction because that's what you're familiar with. But what He's going to do is to train you to grow in a new direction. Now, it feels like you're being kind of encumbered a little bit. And you're like, why does He not let me do the things I used to do? Let me tell you, that's the grace of God. That's the grace of God that He loves you so much. He said, I don't want you down in the mud, in the muck. I'm going to tie you up. I'm going to place you with some other Christians. If you are trying to do this Christian thing alone, you're making a mistake. You ought to let the vine dresser tie you to the branches that are growing in the right direction so that you can learn how to grow in that direction too. And so that's what He does. He washes us. He cleans us. He dries us. He, he ties us to each other. And He does not take us away. And then as we begin to grow, can I talk about the next person? Because you're like, you know, I've, I've kind of left all my old friends and I've been a believer for a while. Now here's the next tendency. The next tendency is a vine, which is just like the one that I have at home, tends to want to produce branches and leaves over fruit. That's what I have at home. That thing produces the most beautiful vines. It produces the most beautiful leaves, but not a single thing of fruit. And so what does the vine dresser do? He says he comes and he, he prunes it. Now, this is an odd time of the year because it's a busy time of the year, isn't it? And chances are you're going to get wrapped up in a lot of stuff. That's the tendency of a new believer is once they start walking, they begin to get themselves busy in all kind of stuff. Any of you ever been busy? Am I talking to anyone? You, if, if I was to, Nowadays, if you ask people, how are you doing? If they don't say good, they're going to say busy. It says, though busy... Is like the gold standard for living. If you're not busy, you ain't doing it right. Yeah? You know what Jesus says? He says, I don't care about how busy you are. I care about how much fruit you're producing. 
That's why as a believer, there are times that we look at our lives and we look at the fruit and we go, Ooh, I sure have been busy. But I ain't got a thing to show for it. I ain't got a, I ain't got a thing to show for it. And so what does the, the vine dresser, the father, begin to do? He says, I need to cut a few things from your life. I need to remove some things from your schedule. I, I need to get you away from some people that are not good for you. Now, that doggone thing can feel painful at times. But I'll never forget this. Chris Bitter and I were having a conversation at McDonald's. I don't know if you remember or not. But he had this revelation from God. He says, it don't have to hurt. Can I tell you that? When, when the vine dresser comes and prunes you, it doesn't have to hurt. It's not mandatory that it hurts. You know when it hurts? When what he wants to get rid of is what you want to hold on to. Mm. That's when it hurts, doesn't it? It's like, I don't want to let go of that. Because I like it. And he says, but it's not producing anything. And you go, I know, but I like it. And I'm comfortable with it. And he begins to just cut. And he begins to remove those things from your life. Why? Because he wants us to bear fruit. Any of you ever heard of the Pareto Principle? Oh, I'm about to... Really? Nobody's heard of this? You've heard of the Pareto Principle? Ah, Ephraim, you're my buddy. I hope I do this justice, okay? Here's the Pareto Principle. It says that if you look at most people's life, 20% of what they're doing is producing 80% of the value in their life. 80% of what they're doing is producing 20% of the value of their life. What does that principle mean? Most of what you're doing in life don't amount to nothing. <laughs> Can I explain it to you? That, that it's 20% of what we're doing in life is actually producing fruit. And, and they say that you can apply that to everything. That in a book, only 20% of what's written produces 80% of the teaching of, of that material. 20% of your friends are producing 80% of the real value of your life. That means you got some friends and they just, you know who they are. Yeah. And see, the vine dresser is smart enough to look at your life and go, you know what, you don't need that. And you don't need that. And you don't need that. And if I can get those things out of your life, then you will grow. I don't know how many people, when it comes to growing, the biggest excuse that they have is, well, I'm just busy. I'm just busy. You're like, I, I know I'm supposed to be you know, spending time with God, but I'm just what? Busy. Yeah. And so what God is doing is trying to get us to a place where we're back to the essentials of life. And now I want to talk to the most mature believers in the room. There are times where you get real good at doing what you do. Any of you ever done that in your own business? Some of you who maybe you've done something for a long time, you get real good at it, right? Like you don't even hardly have to, to think about it. It's just a reaction. Maybe in your field, you just know what to do. You walk in and... And, and, and you don't have to think about it. The danger in a Christian's life is that you can get good at what you do. Hmm. You, can, you can get comfortable with the gifts that God's given you. 
In fact, you've gotten so used to how you pray for people when somebody comes up and they start telling the story, you know exactly how you're going to approach that thing because you've done it that way a thousand times. And so you get comfortable with your gifts. You get comfortable with your talents. You get comfortable with your abilities. And then you sit back and you look at the fruit and you've got fruit. But you look at it and you say, why am I so dissatisfied? I don't know if there's any believers in the room. You've been walking with the Lord for a while. But all of a sudden, you realize that you're a little bit dissatisfied with the way this thing is going. And the reason that you, you have gotten dissatisfied is because you no longer have to rely on the Holy Spirit to do it. You rely on what you've been trained and you rely on your experience to do it. And what God is wanting to do is He says, you know what? You may have missed the point. And he says, if you're going to produce this much fruit, this great level of fruit, then I got to teach you a lesson that maybe you haven't quite learned. Turn over. I had to turn the page. I don't know if you did. Listen to what he says. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in me. Here's what he's trying to tell us. In our culture, we love to measure everything. And he's saying, if all you care about is the fruit, you're going to miss the most important thing. The most important thing is that relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was the thing. Have you ever noticed it's the thing that we'll get off of almost quicker than anything? It is, it is the thing. Pastor D and I were talking about this the other day. You'll ask somebody, well, how you been? I hadn't seen you in a while. And the normal response is, what is it, Pastor D? I've been going through some stuff. You ever heard that? Yeah. What, what happens when you start going through some stuff? You pull away. You pull away. And what Jesus is telling in this story is He says, if you pull away, I can't nurture you. I can't fill you up. I can't take you to the next level. Why do you keep pulling away? And we find out that the thing that is supposed to connect us is the love of God. In fact, he says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Can I tell you that there's a trap right there? If you keep my commandments. Let me tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say if you, te if you keep the Ten Commandments. Look at the text. He didn't say, if you keep the Ten Commandments. Now, growing up, that's what I heard, that if I, if I kept the Ten Commandments, that meant that I love God and God would love me. Yeah, some of y'all raised you and you're nodding your head. That's what you got too, wasn't it? It was, if you keep the Ten Commandments, then that means you love God and God will then love you. He didn't say, keep the Ten Commandments. He said, if you keep my commandments. What are His commandments? He said, I got two. He said, love God and love others. His commandment is actually not a commandment at all. He's inviting you into a relationship with Him. You see, that's where Israel was different. They wanted to meet with God over the rules. Can I tell you, it is no fun to meet with God over the rules. There's just no fun in it. You are not going to come out on the good end of that thing. 
Okay? He says, I don't want to meet with you over the rules. I want to meet with you over a relationship where you know that I love you. In fact, he went so far as down below, he said, I don't call you slaves anymore. I call you friends. Do you realize that the God of the universe wants to call you a friend? The God of the universe says, I don't want to relate to you over the rules. I don't, I don't want to relate to you over the Ten Commandments. I want to relate to you over the fact that I have, John chapter 1, taken away the sins of the world. I have taken away your sin so that I could have a relationship with you. I've been told that in the Bible that the kings would have a king's friend. That's got to be a pretty cool position, right? You know, to walk around and say, I'm the king's friend. He likes me. I'm the, I'm the king's friend. I've, I've heard that David had a king's friend. Solomon had a king's friend. And here is the king of the universe making an offer to every single one of you that are in the room today. He says, I want you to be my friend. That's how I want to relate to you. And so then it is this thing of abiding. How do I stay connected with God? And the only way I can describe it is with an encounter that I had. Can I share this encounter with you? Yes. So um, we started Ember almost four years ago now, and I would prepare for messages. And, and it's different when you prepare every week. Right, Pastor D? It, it's one thing. I, I love when he and I can kind of bounce off of each other. I think the messages are fresh and new, and, and I love that. you know. But, but early on, you know, I was preaching messages every week. And, and so on Saturday nights, I would have this thing where I would run Brantley and Caden out of the bedroom. And they'd go do their thing. And I would, just, I would just worship. I'd say, God, before I get up in the morning and speak to the people, I just, I just need to have an encounter with you. I need to spend some time in your presence. And I need to let you love me. Do you do that? Do you let God love you? See, if you don't think He wants to, you, you won't even enter into that. Because you think, man, he, he don't want anything to do with me. It'll blow you away if you just sit somewhere quietly. We've got a small group that's practicing on that. Just sitting there and letting God love you. I dare you to do it. Try two minutes of it if you've never done it before. You try two minutes of it and you'll go, oh, I need to get up and do something. Right? Because we're all about fruit. And what God is saying, no, nah, I don't want you to do anything. Will you just sit there and let me love you? Now, everything about us says, surely I need to do something in order for God to love me. Surely I got to do something. What is it that I can do that will make God love me? And God says, you don't have to do anything. I loved you from the start. Will you just be still and let me love you? And so I would sit there and I would, I'd be in the bed and I would just listen to some music and I'd just meditate on verses and I'd just let God love me. And I found out quite by accident, honestly, I did not do this intentionally. Didn't know it was coming. Some of you have heard this story before. But as I let God love me, it was like I would get so full of this thing. He loves me. Like, He, he really loves me. And then I'd be like, oh, but you know, I'd start thinking about all the things that I, you know, I should have done, didn't do, and, and, and wish I'd have done differently. And He'd pick me up. And He'd wash that off. And He'd tell me I love you anyway. 
You know, I, I, I love you. Yeah, you've done that, but I, but I love you. And I would just let him love me. And then all of a sudden, I'd get so full of this love of God, I don't even know how to describe it, but I would come in. You remember when I used to do this? I would come in, and I would just start hugging on him. And I'd just start loving on him, and I'd just start kissing. Now, I'm not the most affectionate person in the world, probably. You know? Some of that has been made clear to y'all. You know? I love a good hug, you know? But like when we talking, we need to back up a little bit from each other. You know? Like we need to... You know, And so I'm not the most affectionate person in in the world. But honestly, when I had spent time in the presence and the love of God, I would walk in that room and I would have such incredible love for Brantley and my son, Caden. It blew me away. I'm like, where did this come from? I'm like, this is a love I haven't even experienced before. I'm like, where did it come from? And it took me a while because I'm a little slow. And then it dawned on me that if I just spend time in His presence and let Him love me, He'll produce the fruit in my life. You see, as Christians, we're always interested in the fruit. But can I tell you that if you keep your eye on the fruit, you're going to miss it. But if you will stay connected to Jesus Christ, you will bear fruit by accident. I didn't even mean to love them that way. I didn't. I didn't even mean to. I couldn't help but do it. Could you imagine a group of Christians who were spending time with Jesus, not trying to get everything they want, just wanting to get filled up with Jesus? What could be released upon our families in a good way? What could be released at the people at work in a good way? What could be released in every area of our life? Man. And what I found out is this. is that... If I will keep my eye on Jesus, He has His eye on my fruit. And that's when our lives begin to to bear some things that are are really quite amazing. Now let me tell you some promises and then we're going to close this thing out. He said twice in this thing, If you abide in me, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Has that verse ever caused any of you any problems? Did you hear what I just read? He said, if you abide, if I abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Has everybody here, anybody in the room, have you gotten everything you've ever asked for? Anybody? You've gotten everything you've ever asked for. Can I tell you why? Because most of the time we didn't spend any time with God. And we don't have His mind on the subject. And so we're going out trying to produce produce something that's in our heart, not in His heart. Yeah? Most of the time, we're not getting our prayers answered because we don't have a clue what God wants in that circumstance and situation. In fact, most of the time, we don't even know His nature. Like, we don't even know His nature in that thing. And so when we're praying, we're just trying to get everything that we need for our lives. And what He's saying is, if you'll spend time with me, get to know my heart, I'll start answering your prayers. And then the last promise. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. 
The only place we find real joy, true and lasting joy, is in Him. He never leaves us, but oftentimes we'll leave Him. And so there's this, this thing of what it looks like if you're a branch that doesn't abide in Jesus. You see these? This is from my grapevine. And there ain't much to it. You can't make furniture out of it. You can't even tie something because it'll break. You just, you just can't do anything with it. And what I have found is that when I try to go through life apart from Jesus, you can't do much with me. <laughs> right? I, I just, it's like, I just don't work like I'm supposed to work. When I'm, when I'm not connected to Jesus, my life doesn't work and function the way it's supposed to work. It feels like I'm drying up inside. And I tend to look at the Father, I look at Jesus, and I want to blame them. I want to say, Jesus, you left me. God, you left me. And God, through His Holy Spirit, speaks to me and says, Son, I didn't leave you. You left me. I've been following you around all over. I've been following you over to the, to the bar because you were looking for relationships over there when you should have been at the church. That's where the real relationships were. I, I, I followed you into that lie that you told. You think I didn't see it. I saw it. Yeah. You, I, I followed you as you've tried to make your fortune in life and try to bear all this fruit. I've been following you the whole time. And you say, but God, my life is just dry. He says, I know, son, that's what life is like apart from me. So here's the, the invitation. Praise team, will you guys come and sing that, that song again, that reckless love song? And here's, I want to I give out this invitation to, to, I think there's three places here. One is to the person who is still struggling with growing down into the mud and into the muck is I want to allow you the opportunity to have Jesus to really come and just cleanse you and to hang you up and to establish you into this church family. By the way, I've had two people ask me this, and so you may not know. Somebody said, how in the world do you become a part of Ember? They said, where I came from, you used to have to like join the church and all. And, and they said, how do you join Ember? I said, as far as we were concerned, you joined it as soon as you walked through the door. Did, did you hear that? As soon as you walked through the door, we considered you one of us. And you say, but, but wait a minute. I, I'm not even sure I know Jesus. You didn't have to know Jesus for us to love you. You don't have to know Jesus for Him to love you. We loved you as soon as you walked through the door. You say, well then what, is that? what does it mean for me to... To become an ember when your heart decides that you want to be here that's when you're an ember when when you decided this is where god wants you and so for some of you you may have been wondering i don't know if i'm part of this thing or not do you want to be do you want to be if you are then you are that's the way it works in the kingdom it is not i wonder if god will have me it is God sitting there looking at you going, do you want to be? Do you want to be? Because I died for you. So some of you may need to come and just allow the Holy Spirit to, to clean you, wash you with His Word. Some of you, you may have looked at your fruit and realized, you know what, I need to quit examining my fruit and just spend time with Jesus, the one that loves me.
And then I, I would challenge some of you that if you would just make time to let God love you, see what He might do in your life. I'm looking at a verse, one last thing, I'm looking at a verse differently than I've ever looked at it before. It's Galatians 5.22. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Since we've been talking about fruit, I thought it'd be good to bring it up. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are good things to have in life, aren't they? I've looked at my life and went, man, I, I need more of this and more of that. But the reality is, when the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, He's going to produce all of those fruits in you. But love is at the beginning. Have you noticed that? It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then it continues. I actually believe that love is the, the key ingredient. And everything else after that is what follows when I'm in a loving relationship with somebody. You see, if I'm in love, then it produces joy. See what it said? He said, I, I need you to know that I love you so that your joy may be full. If you know that you're loved, it produces joy in your life. Joy. Where does peace come from? Peace comes from knowing that God loves me. And that if anything's going on in my life, He's got an answer for it. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. All of them are found in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to seek the greater thing today. Not the fruit, but the one who gives the fruit.